Hey everyone, Lizzie Jack here. Just a disclaimer before we get into this episode, Adam and Val's conversation does have a tiny bit of colourful language, so if you are listening with children in the car, just be prepared. All right, now to the episode. What do you imagine when you think about university? Maybe it's sleepless nights in the library or the journey to your dream job. Maybe it was, or will be, your first time out of home or something you thought you'd never do. No matter your experience or expectations, there is one thing we all share. I'm Lizzie Jack, and this is We Are UOW, a podcast by the University of Wollongong, where we explore the lifelong connections made on the UOW campus, from friends to mentors to marriages. Episode four, Adam and Balan. My name's Balan, one of the founders of Yours and Ours, been working on it since the beginning in 2010. My name's Adam, I'm a founding member like Bal. Yours and Ours is arguably the driving force that helped transform Wollongong from a steel city into a creative hub for arts and live music. So how did a couple of schoolmates with no business experience build one of the most recognisable names in the Australian music industry. This is the story of Adam Smith and Balan Jones, who went from carpooling to footy to lifelong friends and business partners. In the early 2000s, just before starting high school, Balan Jones and his family moved from New Zealand to Thoreau, north of Wollongong. I moved in the space of like six months starting high school. I'd left all of my friends behind in New Zealand and I was super dirty at my parents for moving to start off with. Balan was a pretty shy kid and with a Kiwi accent and having already moved around a lot, he was pretty reluctant to try and make friends until he joined the under-14s rugby club at the University of Wollongong. I was a little Kiwi boy. Rugby was all I knew. Growing up, all I wanted to be was an all-black. So I I just threw... I was a pretty physical kid, I guess. I just threw everything into rugby. And so that, that was really kind of the first social, social group that kind of formed uh, around that. Through rugby, Balan met Adam Smith, another Thoreau boy. And I just remember this like shy, quiet Kiwi kid. Like, and I was probably a pretty shy kid too. But like when you're that age too, like any accent is always memorable. So like I thought that was the only kid I knew with an accent. It was kind of funny. They became friends and started carpooling to rugby together. And Adam's granddad picked us up after football training and we would go home via the Ferry Meadow shops and he would always buy us some kind of Twix or, or chocolate treat. And it would have been, it would have been over the course of that, that year, multiple times doing that same, same route yeah. home. And then started hanging out and surfing and then you moved into the street maybe a year after that. The pair went to different high schools, but being neighbours, they spent their teen years surfing, skating, playing rugby and hanging out with the other kids in the street, like their friend and now business partner, Ben Tillman. We just did a lot of fun, innocent, dumb stuff, like, you know, spending all day building a skate ramp with the kids in the street too. Just stupid stuff that pretty harmless and 
fun to do. And then, but yeah, surfing, we we had a lot of time. The three of us would just like surf and then we got into music as well. As they grew up, rugby sort of fell off the radar and they started to focus on making some music. So it was just a lot of time, particularly in the early parts of high school where you're not really studying much, you're just hanging out. In those early high school years, Adam and Bal would hang out in Bal's basement with their friend Ben, playing bass, guitar and drums. But they seemed more focused on getting their band room set up to look the part than actually playing music. Yeah, I just remember from, from, from that age, like no one ever had any money and we were all just hanging out for somebody getting their licence. Yeah. And just remember getting shopping trolleys from, from Franklin's. Yeah. And just like, and then just kind of walking around the streets and just finding useless shit yeah. on like council throwouts and just filling up these shopping trolleys and then just pushing them all the way up the hill and then down into the garage and then trying to set up this stupid band That's room. That's right. We want to set the band room up yeah. really well. And we had these ideas, like, this will be amazing for the band room. And it's like, it's just junk. And Jeff, like. Jeff found that, like that little like grill, that little electric oh, grill. Oh yeah, we had and to make wanted to name, and He wanted to name the band after the brand of the grill. Oh, it was Ronson. <laughs> Ronson, yeah. That was the right. name of the Was thing. that the so name maybe of that the was thing? The name and, right, then, yeah. and then he painted it on white paint That's right. on the roof of the thing and I just remember my dad just going, what are you, what what are you doing? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of energy of like spending all day on a project that is like pointless. Like, yeah, yeah and being so psyched about it too and because it's like I don't know I suppose that is is that that's probably the early like creativity if you want to think think about it like that but it's more just like imagination. The guys finish high school and both end up enrolling at the University of Wollongong, Balan into psychology and Adam into economics. And then I got to uni and I'll never forget the first probably the first class I had a lecture was just like if you fail, that's your problem. And that actually was amazing for me to hear because I was like, he's like, I don't care if you, if you fail. I don't want you to fail, but it's totally up to you. You need to get put in what you want out of this. And that type of like learning just was so much better for me. Like that it's, it's your choice and no one's going to make you do anything. And it's just like that freedom. Honestly, a big memory of mine is just meeting and hanging out with people for the lunchtime in the sun on the lawn or just like going to hanging out later for drinks and and going to you know a show or going into town at the time other than the uni bar Wollongong's live music scene was pretty minimal we would have hung out and gone to shows probably more like garden party and o party seen bands I remember going to a few shows here especially at the end of uni where the three of us, me, Ben and Bal, particularly became closer and Ben was put, putting on shows early. Even at that stage, he was organising shows. So we would go out and watch bands and that was kind of the beginning of us all. You know, you, you're old enough to like have explored lots of different music because when you're a kid, you just, you just like whatever's on Rage or whatever the thing was. But we'd had a lot more time to develop and think about the music we were into and got exposed to a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, one of those early shows I remember seeing wasn't at uni, it was at Taraji Beach Hotel, but it was Tame Impala supporting Ratatat. And looking back on that show now, I was like, that's an amazing show. Yeah. Tame Impala played first and they were, no one knew, like there was, sorry, there were a few who were like, wow, this is going to be a big band, but no one really 
as a whole thought much about it. And the bass player was so young, he was 16. Ben booked that, it was his first show. And like, look at that, it's amazing kind of, just looking back on that, the bass player couldn't get in, so he had to like sneak him in. They'd go up to Sydney on weekends to check out their local acts or go to one of the only venues in Wollongong, the Oxford Tavern. It was an old pub built in 1845 on the corner of Crown Street and Coromel Street. Scungy old pub, eh? Yeah, it wasn't very nice. <laughs> I remember Ben talking about the Cooper's Fridge where you could yeah. sneak behind the bar and get a free beer without anybody noticing if you were kind of... Oh, there was fights on the, yeah, on the regular. Pretty, it was a bit rough. Like It wasn't like... I mean, everyone talks up as being it was a very rough place. It, I think it ha- had a bit of a community that would keep it on the level. But that was Wollongong all across the board. It was pretty rough back then. But yeah, going to the Oxford, it was like, they had good gigs and stuff, but it was always pretty grimy. And Yeah, um, so you'd walk, you'd walk in from Crown Street. There was a little outdoor courtyard on the side and a bunch of those kind of palm trees kind of kicking around. And then you kind of walk in and there was a, a sleazy old a little L bar, and then over on the left hand side was kind of, it was it was it was like a, sh- a shitty RSL kind of room, gross carpet, a couple of old like bistro chairs and tables, and then a little corner stage. I mean, probably what the triangle stage in the corner that was three meters across. I mean, we played gig, I, we played a few gigs there. It was 2010 when the Oxford Tavern shut down for good. The same year, the guys decide to start their own business. They find a terrace-style house at the bottom of the pedestrian mall on the corner of Crown Street and Kembla Street in Wollongong. It's got high ceilings and a staircase leading to a loft. They open a cafe and call it Yours and Ours. We never actually intended to do the music side of it. It was supposed to be more of like a cafe. Like Ben was booking shows, but he was a bit burnt out and he didn't want... And I remember we were convincing him to do the music thing we all love music and we're like, there's nowhere to go, we should do this. But that didn't happen till about six months in properly. Like mm. the first night was an art exhibition and we weren't even licensed for a couple of months as well. That's right. So it was like more about a daytime, go in and check out some art. And then it got into like the, the Oxford closed and must have been around that time. We're like, there's nowhere to put on gigs. Let's just start so doing shows. Let's do shows. <laughs> This is a video I found on YouTube of Yours and Ours Cafe in 2012. There's a band playing called The Commune. There isn't really a stage, just a rug on the floor and a bunch of musicians packed into a tight corner. You can see the art on the high ceilings and punters crammed in. Some of them even look like they're squatting against the wall. In those early days, we were we were doing five or six nights of live music in a week. We'd have like Sunday daytime all ages hardcore shows, um, and then throughout the week there was such a a range. Yeah. Like you'd have the um, trivia oh. kind of kicking on. You'd have the folkies in one night, and you kind of got these old sixty six years year old people coming in, and then you would have the old Wollongong punks come in, and then you'd have the young indie kids. You'd have a touring band coming from Sydney yeah. or Melbourne playing on a Friday night. And so each night you had this different demographic kind of coming through. It was just interesting. And then then in the day, I think you kind of had all those council workers coming past and these weird mix of of lawyers and office people who knew that 
nothing was quite up to scratch and nothing was kind of totally clean, but they kind mm. of loved it just for the kind of scrappiness of it, yeah. I guess. I'm not sure why. I, th- I think we were, you could tell that the, the people behind the counter were probably a little bit tired and hung over from the work the night before and there was no there was no judgments going on at all i don't think like i think we were quietly (laughs) judging everyone from behind the counter but just for our own amusement maybe it was a hard slog and the reality of being 20 something year old business owners had started to hit despite the success of the cafe they were burnt out and losing money so they sold it to the manager dan radburn who turned it into radbar Ben had then partnered with local record store Music Farmers to create the label Farmer in the Owl when they decided to slap together a festival. I guess to kind of get a bit of hype around the label stuff out here at UOW. And then Adam and I just got roped in in, in various different ways. Yeah, and they, they, they booked a lineup of, of bands. and We did one show here, and then I think it was the Drones and a bunch of bands, and that was awesome, but it you know never didn't make any money. Not that that's what it's all about. But it, then we did King Gizzard as a little right, pop-up right. party, yeah. and that was like tiny thing. I think we had it – was, it was at McCabe Park, Council Park, and it was the first like mini event that they'd ever done as a council. Yeah. And we were like the guinea pigs. And there was like 300 people watching King Gizzard, tiny little stage, just pissing down rain. And it was like, that was wild. And then that was, for me, that was the moment I was like, wow, this might actually, even though it was so small, I could see the potential. Even though the cafe was no more, the guys decided to celebrate its fourth birthday with a one-day festival at Stewart Park in North Wollongong. For $33, you could see up-and-coming Aussie acts like June Rats, Safia and Hockey Dad. Again, real slap-together show. All these bands that back then, the tickets were 30 bucks or 35 bucks, and it was like a real party vibe that... It was a festival, I guess, but it's nothing like what it turned festival into. Is now, yeah. And it was, it was like kind of crazy. It was we just got scraped through it. So you've had a pretty successful cafe. You've had a packed show for King Gizzard. You're in the council's good books, I suppose, from putting on a good festival. When was the moment that you realised, oh, this is this is going to be a game changer for the Wollongong music scene? Probably that second year everything almost collapsed and it almost failed because we had no idea what we were doing and it had stepped up kind of quite quite substantially from the from the very first one like the very first one was like it was a massive party it was like oh this can actually work the second one we're like all right sweet we knew a little bit more thought we thought we knew the world kind of thing and heaps of people came and we 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 kind of messed up absolutely everything. The PA nearly exploded. Mm. None of the bands were going to play. There yeah. was a line like fifty miles long for for the yeah. toilet. Everything everything went wrong. But we kind of came out of it going, oh my god, like we need to do that better and prove that prove that we can yeah. do it. It can be good and it could work. That was the turning point for us. Even though it was a slight negative, we survived. I think you're allowed one screw up, and yeah, yeah. we had it, and we're like, all right, we need to learn. And But that was the point where it's like, we can't just muck around anymore. We need to be serious, lock in and, you know, because I think that because we just did it since we were so young, we were learning on the fly and we still are to this day learning on the fly. We never took it seriously. We never, we just, it was always a fun thing. And now we're like, okay, this is important and it's a business and we need to run it properly. And 
So that was probably the point. Yours and ours had grown massively since its humble beginnings as a small cafe. Over those next few years, the festival expanded to two days, caught the attention of major supporters like Triple J and hosted huge local and international acts. After a solid five-year run, COVID-19 saw the festival come to a screeching halt. But the boys buckled down and, before Australia's second wave hit, found a way to deliver a safe music festival in April 2021. That was traumatic in a way because it was during COVID, but there were moments where, like, how did we do that? Like, I'm very glad we'll never have to do that again. But there was a feeling of people overall, some people had a, you know, didn't like being sectioned in various things and had their things to say about it, but it's also like, sorry, there's nothing, nothing's been happening, like, you know, we'd rather go for it and get a bit of criticism and then just do nothing. Mm. And th- there hasn't really been anything. Even now things are happening, but not much happened in those 18 months. Despite the roller coaster Adam and Bal have been on since opening a cafe together with their mate Ben more than a decade ago, their friendship and business savvy has kept them afloat. These thrill kids who decked out the basement instead of actually playing their instruments organised the first music festival in New South Wales since COVID began, and they have a jam packed Australia New Zealand lineup for 2022. Do you feel like you three have kind of paved the way? for Wollongong becoming this creative, artistic, live music culture? I think everything's changed, like, both broadly in what people are into, like kids and, like, like people that go out are of going out age now. What they're into is so different to what we were, so that's really hard. But just focusing in on what, on our little world, our little bubble, the town itself has changed completely and a lot of that's got nothing to do with us it's just you know post-industrial things like major changes and people coming from sydney and the whole area is different the makeup is very different it's a lot less of that kind of blue collar Mm. thing and a lot more people with you know more money and that's just that's not good or bad it's just the way it is Mm. but i think what we're into I guess it's sort of the same. We're still into music, still into surfing, all that kind of stuff, but... There's just more it, good stuff. There's around. more good stuff. The DIY attitude, maybe it is there a lot and alive and well, but it seems like that that is less, either less necessary or less encouraged because you can't get away with scraping it through. A young kid wants to put on a night, a band, a couple bands at a house party or whatever, that kind of behaviour might have flown a little bit back in the day, but now it might get shut down. I don't know, like, hard to say because I'm not an 18-year-old trying to put on a house party with bands anymore, but maybe that kind of stuff is just people are too scared to take risks or, or they or they know that they're not allowed. or It's like it's more organised. Everything's more legitimised and, and that's cool, but it's also maybe there's some young kids that want to do different stuff that doesn't don't fit into that or... Yeah, I guess even look at the uni, like since from we were here, 2006, 2007, compared to now, it is it is growing exponentially. Like it's a totally different organisation and I imagine students kind of experiences now 
are very, very different to what we had. And I remember when we were here watching the Peter Garrett show, and he, at that show, he was talking about the changes in Wollongong for what he saw at whenever that was, 2017 or whatever it was, compared to back in the 80s. And it's become a much more modern place compared to what it was. And I think we had a lot of opportunities when we were younger that you wouldn't get nowadays, and we took advantage of them. But there's also so many more opportunities available to, yeah. to young people now That's and so many more avenues to take advantage of. It's just, yeah. it's just very different. It's pretty rare for adults to still be in touch with their childhood friends, you know, let alone big business partners, especially when you think about the fact that you guys went to different high schools. How has it been transitioning from being childhood friends into business partners how do you balance that relationship it's different when you do a business with someone things change for sure and it's like you learn more you're very in each other's pockets you see a lot of them and so in in a lot of ways we become closer but there were there have been challenging times and times where you're like oh my god I just don't want to see this person or whatever but I think it's something it's definitely for me it's brought us all closer been through a lot of crazy stuff for sure highs and lows but yeah it's de- it's different different friendship as now. we've gotten older as well like separating that boundary between friendship and work can can be difficult you know we've all got different priorities we've all got our own lives that we're living and it's like are we are we catching up to work or are we catching mm-hmm. up to socialize because you know i i yeah like i, I would happily just stay at home and go to sleep or do whatever I want to do and I don't necessarily want to have to go out and do something but it's just figuring out like the the kind of priorities and where the boundary lies and there's an art to it for sure and I think there's there's definitely there's no ego in in our relationships at all which definitely helps it's kind of like and we've gotten to a point where we yeah we've all relaxed a little bit more and we've gotten a little bit older and it's just like well don't we all know where everything's at it doesn't really matter It'll, if, it, if it wants to happen, it'll just happen kind of thing. Nobody needs to force the hand or, or, or yeah. You just get to know someone really well when you that spend that much time with them. You've known them for that long too. That It's like any friendship is like that, right? I've known Bao since we were 12, so it's a long time to be friends with anyone. And so you just get this understanding, I think. How has your relationship changed over the years and do you think UIW helped nurture that? I think the fact that we're at uni and the fact that we were that age where you form like those two things, because we did uni young, if we did uni later in life, it might have been a very different, might not have had as big an impact. But in terms of us and our friendship and what we're doing in the business, it was huge because that was the time where we started going away together on even just going every summer. We'd try to save up and then go during the break, the uni break, we spent all the money we would have saved all year going overseas or going on trips and those were those times where you, I was around people who were pretty different and not as much as what I would be now, but that was the beginning of seeing that there's a different way to look at the world. Even just reading books around that time and going, what do you think about this? And talking to people who you would hang out at parties or at the uni bar, and that's where you kind of test your, the kind of the waters a bit on like what, what are ways to look at the world. Those university years are so formative in so many ways and it's kind of that that kind of entryway into adulthood and and kind of your 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 life living it how you want to live it as an individual 
And I think like those relationships you, you form and those times you have at the time, you probably don't realize how long lasting they can be. I, I was talking to another friend the other day who I'd met at UOW as well. He's like, if, I, if I'd realized how important some of the friendships I made when I was at uni were gonna be later on, I probably would have, would have valued the, the time that we had at that time a little more. It's, it's your, your, your uni days, you know, it's going to be iconic no matter where you are. And, and I think, especially for me, my life is so tied up in Wollongong. Our business is tied up in Wollongong. I'm always going to have fond memories here. I mean, today going to the uni bar, you just walk out and there's that same familiar smell after whatever it is, 15 years of chip place. rolls yeah. and gravy. And there's this other kind of weird perfume, which I can only imagine some of the plants around there, but it's just that mix. It's just like, boom, straight back to the, those those uni days you know and it's like yeah. it'll always be be a part of your life and i mean like all throughout the last 10 years of running our business there's always been some excuse to get back here every yeah. few months and what well, we book it now well that's, that's, yeah, that's, reason. that's true we are uow is brought to you by the university of wollongong this episode was produced by myself lizzie jack with help from grace golash a huge thank you to Adam and Balan from Yours and Ours for sharing their story with us. We love to hear about the connections made at University of Wollongong. If you have a story you think is worth sharing, email us at weareuow@uow.edu.au, or you can share your stories online with the hashtag weareuow. Next time on We Are UOW. Two young kids meet playing AFL on the South Coast, but they lose touch. Years later, they run into each other at UOW Clubs Day, and it's like no time has passed. That club, not just Baron, like Baron and I are obviously very tight, but not just us two. Like, I think we got probably 20, 25 of our closest mates still out of that club. It's been a really valuable connection. That's next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you.